Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Happy Mahashivaratri. Mahashivaratri is tomorrow, the great night of Lord Shiva, and it's a wonderful time to dive in to starting something new and developing um, your future, developing who you want to be for the next year coming ahead, asking for Shiva's blessings as you embark on a new endeavor and letting go of the past, letting go of those limiting beliefs and anything that's holding you back. I hope that you will do so with me inside the B-School program. Marie Forleo's B-School program will be closing its doors this week, so don't delay. Definitely jump into B-School, sign up for all my amazing bonuses. We have a half-day retreat. We have workshops. Uh, You get a membership to the Finding Harmony Inner Circle where you can practice with me and also get all of our bonus Finding Harmony podcast episodes. You'll also get live coaching from me, business coaching, as well as wellness coaching weekly in our mastermind group. It's an amazing program. I hope that you join and um, just really dive into uh, defining and refining and developing your offerings online as a yoga teacher, as a coach, as a wellness entrepreneur. And I would love to help you and be with there every step of the way. So jump into B-School, find out all the information and how to register on my website, harmonyslater.com. I look forward to connecting with you inside the program. It's an incredible program. I can't say enough about it. And I hope you'll be there with me too. Today, we have a really amazing guest, Nikki Barata. I can't say enough about this incredible woman. She has so many beautiful things to offer us here in this interview. She was born in England and studied fashion and marketing and design at the London College in London, England, and was eventually offered a position with Victoria's Secret in Manhattan. So she moved to New York City to the Big Apple and worked with Victoria's Secret for many, many years, becoming their VP of photography. So really molding and directing um, the images and the uh, ethos, the aesthetics of that brand for many years. She left Victoria's Secret eventually uh, following her own passion, wanting to work more in the yoga and wellness and healing arts um, area. That's really was her heart's calling. And so she studied Kripalu yoga and Kundalini yoga and founded her own jewelry company even called Nikki B Jewelry, which is beautiful, beautiful um, items of jewelry that you can order online for yourself. And she became a creative leadership coach and a creative consultant. And so Nikki is going to share with us her story and how she did B-School last year and joined my mastermind program and how it really helped her in her own business uh, as a coach, as a consultant, and even um, working in how her jewelry company, Nikki B Jewelry, can all come together and um, help build her online presence and business. And so um, it's a wonderful 
time that we're going to have. Without any further ado, here's Nikki Barata. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I'm here with Russell K. Harmony, you, you know that <laughs> um, I've been doing these uh, porn for women themed uh, social media. On camp- Instagram? On Instagram, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, as it turns out, we've been approached for an ad buy. Oh, dear. And it's very <laughs> exciting for the show. Yeah? Yeah. Who is it? RedTube. Who's that? That's an adult-themed video sharing site. Oh, dear. And uh, <laughs> they, uh, they, they're they on Alexa. Uh, they're ranked as one of the world's top 100 adult-themed sites. Uh-huh. And they're offering a one-year subscription for members of the Finding Harmony uh, <laughs> fan club. But you have to be a member of the fan club all previously. Uh, so I think that's just Valerie. Swift. Yeah. <laughs> And anyone that she's taking money from. Maybe Martha. <laughs> Maybe Martha's paid her to be a member of the fan club. So the two of them, right. if they want an adult-themed, um, I, I don't, I would, didn't want to say pornography, but it's, yeah. it's adult-themed video sharing, adult uh, video. Right, yeah. It's, a, it's like a special club. I don't, I'm not sure that's their bag. I Well, it's <laughs> open and available to them. If they want to call in. Okay. Well, we have someone on our show today who has a lot of experience, I think, uh, setting up scenes with uh, beautiful women uh, <laughs> modeling See, lingerie. My concern was with this bit <laughs> is that I would, it would put Nikki in an unflattering relationship. <laughs> she doesn't, you didn't do adult theme. No. But they were, it was sort of, you were an adult when you were doing it. It was all adults in the room, right? You all are. the exactly photography. <laughs> <laughs> now we have a beautiful guest today, Nikki Barata, who has incredible creative energy and experience as well in Manhattan. It is a, it is a real treat to introduce Nikki Barata to you today. For those Gen Xers out there who grew up watching fashion TV on VH1. Today's guest is an incredible view from the inside of the New York fashion scene, the 80s and 90s. And we're so excited to get to know her and see what she's up to now. (laughs) Hi, Nikki. Hi. Nice to be here with you both. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. Yeah. So so you found another English woman to interview. I know. We're like (laughs) on a roll. (laughs) We're going for the English ladies living in the United in the US, States. Yes. I've been <laughs> yes. here a long time now, so yeah. I guess I'm, I'm not hearing the, the gap. I'm not hearing the Liverpool in your accent. No, Liverpool is long gone, long gone. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yes. Kent? Is there any Kent, Kent left? I'd say there's some Kent, but I haven't mm. been back there for a couple of years. I'm actually going in two weeks' time. Oh, okay. the whole COVID situation really is yeah. difficult. So when I go back, the accent definitely pops back Comes up. out more. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's no longer part of Europe now. I do know that. It's Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> they have Brexited. Brex- left. Brexited. Brex- Brexited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bojo now is in charge. The oh. former mayor of London, I mean, mm. if you remember him. Yeah. He's made a Bojo of the whole thing, mm. obviously. Yes. <laughs> mm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to getting there. Nikki, you were very generous with us. We Harmony sent you a whole question list about <laughs> you and mm-hmm. what what 
what your story is. And you wrote us fantastic stuff and really very helpful. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder um, if you could, if you could start in on it a little bit and tell us a bit about your childhood in mm-hmm. Kent and growing up in jolly old England. <laughs> I think it was, I think it sounded like it was a bit tough for you and your mom. Is that, is that right? Is yeah, that fair to say? I would agree. Yes. Um, so yeah, I was born in Liverpool, but then grew up, I was raised in Kent. Um, there were three of us. I was a middle child, had an older brother, younger sister. And yeah, my dad left when I was around seven years old. And um, at that time, my mom really, she didn't have a career. And so it was really at that point that she was kind of with no support, um, decided to uh, follow her passion to be a social worker. Um, And so she became a social worker, but unqualified and uh-huh. took her secondment while she was an unqualified social worker. So right. kind of building her career from scratch. She had wow. been at art college before she got married, but she didn't finish. So, um, yeah, it was, I just remember it as being difficult and not really, uh, you know, it being challenging for her and for us mm. in those, those years. Yeah, single mom with three kids, rebuilding her career and going back to work, and yeah, that's hard. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, it was impossible, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, you, yeah. what I heard in England, I knew I knew several um, social workers, and they would call it it's the unsocial work. <laughs> that's what they do because <laughs> it's just you spend all of your time just moving paper around, and you don't actually see people. Yeah. Well, she really was in the field and Mm -hmm. I do remember her, um, working really, really hard. And I would say she was an incredible role model to me as Mm -hmm. a, you know, as a, as a girl and as a young woman, because she really, she did, um, begin from scratch when my dad left, she didn't even, couldn't even drive. So she had to learn to drive and, you know, figure out how to support us and build a career. And she did that. So I think for me, that was really inspiring. Yeah, that's incredible. My family tended to be more in academia. My my brother went into that. My sister went into social work. And I was really, I wasn't drawn to that. I was really, I was really drawn to fashion. Mm. So I just had this like passion within me. I would find myself in the W.H. Smith magazines section, like pouring over all the fashion <laughs> magazines. And while my family's like in the book section, I'm like in the magazine <laughs> glam section. And it was just intriguing to me, but I didn't have any role models. I didn't have any really anyone to kind of guide me there. So yeah. I just decided I'm going to just go this path myself and, and figure out what this is all about because there was something within me that really wanted that. Mm. Well, your mom went to art college. Do you think you took after her? Well, I think my whole family is artists and creatives. So I think Mm. that there was like an element of that within me. But for me, I didn't find the, I wasn't passionate to paint. Like my brother painted and I wasn't really pulled towards that. I was really pulled towards fashion and design and style. So that was really, I think, what I was more curious about. Mm. It, I, th- I think for, for some of our listeners at home, uh, you know, I, 
they know that I've lived in, in England for some time. And one of the things that I, I observed, which was really very curious and different, is be, because in, in America, when we talk about class, we just think it's just a, about money. And, you know, if you're, you're Jeff Bezos, is he's upper class, mm-hmm. but he's actually, you know, kind of just a, a working class guy because he's, you know, he's in the delivery business, you know. <laughs> he's, a delivery, he's a delivery man. You know, and, but, um, you know, Harmony and I were both working class. Our, my dad is mechanic. Harmony's dad's electrician. But if, if your parent was a, like a social worker or a school teacher, that's, it's considered upper middle class in England. Does that still resonate with you? Does that, does that sound right? I would say, I wouldn't say upper middle class. I would say middle class. So my, my grandparents were, um, working class also. And my, so I think that, um, there's, there's, there's a little bit of opportunity to, to move from one class, like working class to middle class. Um, but the class system in England is pretty rigid. Yeah. It's almost like what you're born into. You really can't maneuver too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was really inspiring to me about when I actually did move to the U.S. was that that, that all opened up for me. The opportunities well, yeah. and the ability to move up and be successful were much more visible and um, it was more possible for me to do that and actually did happen where in the UK, I, I found it much more of a struggle. Right. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. You know, um, do, what you sometimes we're, Harmony and I are watching this show, uh, inventing Anna, inventing Anna. Oh, I haven't seen and that yet. One of the things they talk about is how closed the New York um, upper echelon, upper like, echelon, the fashion yeah. set, how the art set, the the wealth—it's all quite closed. But from what you described in in your bio, you graduated from London College of Fashion. You got an internship at Victoria's Secret, but then you just kind of you just slipped right into mm-hmm. to that set in New York. <laughs> and I and I wonder if it was your accent that did it. Maybe finding Nikki, <laughs> finding Nikki. <laughs> We're inventing because, Nikki. <laughs> because I've seen that, the, you know, that English accent goes a long way in, in America. Mm. It really, it opens doors that are really closed to Romanians. <laughs> <laughs> or or su- su- Southerners. Southerners, exactly. Yeah. Or like from Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> like Southern, from New Southern Orleans. American. American. Um, yeah, maybe. Possibly. I mean, I can only speak from my experience. Yeah. And I do know that that I, I met so many different people from different, different backgrounds and walks of life, um, in the, in the period of time that I was really, um, in that New York, in the creative industry in New York. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I mean, possibly the accent helped. <laughs> <laughs> What was it like coming to New York, like as a young? You were a young woman, right? And and oh, how old were you? Starting to work at Victoria's Secret, like that sounds absolutely glamorous. Yeah, glamorous, mm-hmm. but also like incredibly intimidating. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, so I was in my twenties. 
Um, and I did spend five years in London working for Victoria's Secret. So I did okay. have um, had a job there at the London office for Victoria's Secret. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was really, I, I, cre- I helped create it with the woman who started it. It was just the two wow. of us to begin with. And it was in the time before the internet or mm-hmm. cell phones or anything like that. And yeah. so I was, um, I was like one of the early scouts, kind of a fashion scout, which basically I would just scout Europe for fashion trends, what was happening, whatever was happening. I go to the fashion shows, do the <sighs> shopping, all the stores in Paris and in London, taking pictures, create reports. Wow. And I would ship them out to my, uh, to the people working at Victoria's Secret that were, you know, working on trends, working on design, working on creative. So they would have all of that information and direction because in those days you really couldn't tap into it other than if you had. <laughs> you were like a human Google. Yeah, I was human, <laughs> a human Google, Google search. Wow. <laughs> uh, so yeah. when I was, I was in art school in Chicago in, um, I started in 93 and I was walking down the street one day and I was really poor. Um, <laughs> so uncomfortable, uncomfortably uh, poverty stricken. And I had a pair of jorts, jean shorts that I really, really liked, but they had, they should have been thrown out because it was just threads that were left. And underneath, I was wearing some red long johns that my dad had given me. <laughs> and that was the only thing really keeping me warm. <laughs> Did the long johns come out of the jorts? So were they you, you could them? barely see the jorts. All you could see were red long johns with, oh. like, jeans kind of <clears throat> barely hanging on, on over, over top of them. Like cutoffs, mm. kind Cut, of. Well, jean shorts. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, and then a... Me, but they were like disintegrating at the to- seams. Hundred percent, yeah, <laughs> maybe ninety-eight percent gone. And I got stopped on the street by a Levi's fashion scout, someone just like you. And they pulled me into a restaurant where there were a couple of other kids there, and they were taking photographs of us. We were like signing our lives away, and like I, w- I got a free meal, which was amazing. It was like so hungry. You really needed food. I did. <laughs> and then um, they gave me a hundred bucks, wow. right? Wow! And then I got a, a call. Then. <laughs> it was so much money. <laughs> and and I I got a call a couple months later, and they called me in, and they they went around, and they and I was asked to go to thrift shops, you know, if, um, like Value you, Village, Value Village, or Goodwill. Yeah. And I would I would and they video this lady videotaped me while I described what kind of jeans I liked. Wow. So okay. <laughs> 20 years later, I'm just telling the story randomly to my yoga students. And one of the young ones, a 20 year old pipes up, said, I bought those jeans from Walmart. I had those jeans. It was, it was, um, uh, uh, distressed jeans with, with different colored long johns underneath. No. Yes. <laughs> they made millions wow. of dollars off of me. And you only got a hundred. You were a bucks. trend. But you I was, I, I was trend setting in Chicago. <laughs> and, but the trend comes from like not having enough money for clothes and just having to kind of it's make. It's called do. street style. 
Street style. <laughs> That's what you did. You look for street I style. I did that. I you did, did that. that. And you would pictures. call the poor kids and you'd give them like 10, 20 quid and then they'd sign off their, their life to you. Wow. And then probably, probably their creative rights. And then ship it off to the U.S. And then yeah. they would well, recreate, China. recreate Re- that in China. The wow. designers in America yes. would, would recreate yeah, it. Yeah, and then they'd And then it gets made. made in China and then sold at Walmart. That was you. Or boutique stores. Okay. That's incredible. That was your job. That was my job. Well, that so was what a do you do? You just my job. You yeah. just walk up. It was on, walk really the fun. It was so fun as a youngster, as a young woman. Yeah. It was super great because I'd be going all these. I'd go in all the high fashion, you know, the top designers. All the high fashion shows you would be. And go to the fashion shows yeah. and then do all the street style. So it was a whole range. Wow. And then from that way, you can really you can really start to understand what the trends are, what's happening, what are the colors, what are the fabrics, what are the silhouettes happening, because it's across the board. <sighs> wow. So it was, it was fun. It was fun. That's I, amazing. It's th- like a different world. Yeah. yeah. It's, but it's how I got the nickname, the Levi's Fashion Priest. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's my roommate started calling me. <laughs> the Levi's Fashion Priest. <laughs> do you just sit on the street and watch them or would you like have, have an office and, and would you go up to kids? What would you do? We would just go to like a coffee shop and sit outside a coffee shop and like, you know, watch. It's called people watching. Yeah. Okay. It's a real thing. Oh, yeah. It's a real thing. Yeah, but you, you really have an agenda when you people watch. <laughs> You're looking for stuff. Well, then if you have a, if you have that as an instinct, it's, it's a, you know, if it's something that really is, is fun for you, which for me it was, yeah. it's, it, it's quite natural really. So you're just really doing it because it's so interesting, you know, to yeah. see what these kids are wearing and what's happening and how people are expressing themselves and, you know, what's, what's happening on the street style wise. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, that's amazing. And the US, you know, the 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 company that I worked for, um, Victoria's Secret and the Limited, they were they really they really loved getting having all this information because it would really help them. So I would then they would bring me to New York mm-hmm. in those days. I'd go once or twice a year and just work with them here in the States to understand the business. Oh. So what they were really looking for, that way then when I'd go back, I could really help them. Um, mm-hmm. more in a more refined way based on the branding. Mm. Did you know Bill Cunningham Cunningham in, in New York? He was the guy that, that ran around on his bicycle snapping street style. And he was like, he would work with Anna Wintour and oh. take photographs. And uh, I, I like, it's like lightning in a bottle. I wanted to be photographed by him so bad. I wanted to like, I kept waiting for him to catch me. I was and like, all you oh, got yeah, was the Walmart guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got the Walmart guy in Chicago, but I never, it never happened again for me. Oh. No, it's sad. Yeah, it is. But you did, you did have those painter pants, those old painter pants. And uh, art student here in Calgary wanted to take photos oh, of you in those painter right. pants. Oh, that's right. I got caught. I did get caught again. It's at Starbucks yeah. by the superstore. <laughs> the fa- the photography student <laughs> took photographs of my jeans. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's what were good, they? What kind of pants were they? Well, they were my favorite jeans. Again, the Levi's. And and they started to kind of fray at the edges. And I had this kind of Neil Young vision for them because I was in Canada. And I thought, what I'm going to do, just like Neil Young, I'm going to cover them in patches. And I would look for like, I found an Alberta patch, uh, a Canada flag. Um, and then I, and they just got covered in like, like 50 patches. But they are also covered in different colors of paint. Yeah, yeah, because they were my painting pants. Wow. And so they were kind of cool. And yeah. then, you, but you couldn't wash them, right? Because they'd all, it would fall apart and dissolve. So they're, they're really stinky fashion pants. <laughs> and uh, jeans, I mean, trousers, fashion trousers. Forgive me. They weren't like underpants, they were like fashion trousers. <laughs> and I'd wear them everywhere and I'd always get caught at customs and they would ask me like a lot of questions like, you're here to sell drugs, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Where are they now? Do you still have them? Oh, they, they yeah, died. Yeah, they had to be destroyed. They finally died. Like <laughs> once, frame like, them or something. That would have been good. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't have. <laughs> Behind glass, you wouldn't be able to smell them. So yeah. I'm, Harmony <laughs> took a lot of photographs of them and put them on Instagram. So they're... They're, they're out up. there. They're oh, okay. there's, a, there's a memory them. of them okay. somewhere. Good, good, yeah. good. <laughs> you, you know, another thing that, that came up that was really to name drop again, you, you, um, you did a, your first shoot. You did a shoot with Ella McPherson. I did. The body. Yes, yes the body. Ella McPherson. Exactly. <laughs> what was that like to be in the presence of the body? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, it was, Really amazing because um, for me, I found I felt really at ease with being in with these creative people. I really felt um, it was it was the right time for me to be in that environment. And there's just something that happens on set um, that's very much like a family. It's, it becomes like a family situation on. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly in Victoria's Secret, the the groups um, that we would travel with, we'd be gone for like eight to ten days at a time. So you really became, you know, connected, and it was really wonderful. So mm-hmm. um, there was this like really um, kind of a le- everyone was kind of at the same level in a sense. So whether you're like the photographer or the stylist or the model or the assistant everyone was, everyone's role was appreciated. And, Mm -hmm. um, that's really the energy that we set up. So, you know, even though it was the first, like, I think she was the first supermodel that I ever met. It was, it was fascinating to me, um, to be in her presence, but also, she made us feel at ease, comfortable. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was very natural, to kind Mm. of sit with her, have lunch and talk and hear her stories and share our stories. And, um, it just was very much like a family. Nice. And Mm. what's amazing to me is that you, 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 you mentioned this a a couple times now where you just felt like you fit and everything worked for you. And I, I, I can't understand that because it just seems so intimidating to just <laughs> yeah. slide into the situation and say, oh, I'm at home. This is where I belong. I'm going to do this for the next 30 years, and, and I'm just going to fit right into it. And it mm. sounds amazing to me. Like, how does that – how did that work? 
Um, well, when I was in New York um, on a trip, the creative director asked me if I'd like to go to a shoot, and I'd never been on a shoot. And of course, mm. I was so curious that I, you know, said, of course. Mm-hmm. And I went, and the moment I literally walked into that set, I had like, it was a, it was really um, like a body feeling for me mm. of, oh, this is home. Mm-hmm. This feels right. This is, this is super energizing for me. And I feel like I can be really creative in this environment. So mm-hmm. something clicked that I hadn't really felt before. And I think that was, that was really the shift where I just said to myself, I just, I just need to follow this now. But it wasn't like I set myself up like, oh, I want to be, you know, I want to rise to this position. I just knew that it was something I wanted to follow and it fit into my desire to be in fashion and be creative and be with people and collaborate. And all of those things just kind of synced up for me. And so it wasn't, it, there wasn't anything intimidating to me. It just felt natural. I felt like mm-hmm. I'm a part of this. Um, mm-hmm. So my part is as important as anyone else's part. And I think that's the yeah. beauty of being on a photography set. There's all of this mutual respect and understanding of each other's role. And that's how mm-hmm. you, the magic happens is when that's all, when that's all working, that's when mm-hmm. the most creativity happens. Mm. but you must have had like such a natural instinct or like something something in you it it came very naturally obviously Mm -hmm. that you just felt so at home and like you said you had all these different elements just like unified in this this experience of being on set and and feeling like it could be the space where you were most expressive of your Mm -hmm. artistic sort of instinct or energy. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think, um, well, I'm a people person. So I, I felt really at home with the people Mm -hmm. and that working together and, um, the creative director was asking me to like pull styling pieces for the for the uh, for the shots yeah so she just let me like pull some things from a rack and it it was just energizing for me that I could actually in my prior role I was sending trends for other people to work on but this gave me the chance to actually do it myself so to Mm -hmm. actually create something that then we could pull together and make images and Um, so that, I think that to your point was where really where the shift happened. It was really like that intuitive part of me that was Mm -hmm. kind of feeling, I was feeling energized by that. Mm. Yeah. Incredible. But it it sounds like, like, I mean, it really is like really, really long days, early (laughs) mornings, late nights, it's like 20 hour for eight, eight to 10 days. It's like 20 hours a day. It's they're long days because you're really up at um, like five or six because mm-hmm. hair and makeup starts really early. As oftentimes, especially on location, you you want to be camera ready very early to catch the sun rising. Yeah. Um, so then you'll shoot for a few hours, take a longer break, and then shoot for the afternoon. And then when you're on location, you're always with the team because you're breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So Mm -hmm. they are long days, but they're also really, it's really rewarding and, you know, 
working together is energizing. So mm. I think that although you're putting a lot of hours in, um, the benefit is coming from like all the work that you're doing together. Oh, that's how I remember it. Mm-hmm. I, I think at a certain point you, um, well, I know you have two kids, but you were, you were doing this kind of work when you had kids, right? You're doing these. I was. And that's, that seems really hard. Um, I, I agree. I think, um, (laughs) (laughs) you're like looking back now. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was really hard, (laughs) but I think you just kind of do what you're, you're doing without really thinking too much about that. Now in hindsight, Mm -hmm. I know I wasn't really doing a lot of self care and didn't have my attention on that because I was really focused on this career that I loved and also raising my children and really a lot that all my energies went into all of that. So it was, how did you balance it though? Like, I mean, raising kids is like a 24 hour (laughs) job. And then you have this other like amazing 20 hour job. Um, well, the, the, I would have au pairs and nannies. Yeah. Yeah. So I did have um, have helped. You'd have obviously. to have someone. Yeah. If no, you're I didn't gone, just leave right? my kids alone. With <laughs> <laughs> and you can't really bring them with you. So. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, definitely. Would I you mean, get like whole days off then if you were like working these big shoots, would you then have like some time, like some downtime where you could like not be working? Or not so much. It was a lot of working. Not really, because once you come back, you've got to edit the film, you've got to hand it over to the creative team, you've got to work through all the cat all of the design and so it's a it's really a machine. It's constant. Mm-hmm. It's really constant. Constant. It's constant. Wow. And then yeah. for me, my in my position, there's all of that working with people with the on set and creating. And then I also had all of the in office work to do. So coming back and really editing the film, like when in my junior position, I was really like on the ground right. doing all of the, the work. And then as I, my career progressed, then I became, you know, I had a team. So then I would like lead a team so that different people would go out on shoots and I would be more like overseeing more of, of the work, mm-hmm. leading the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. going on some shoots, but not as many. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So what like brought it all to a a halt for you, a screeching halt? (laughs) Well, I mean, I was there for a very, very long time. And I, I think, um, you know, I, I was definitely suffering from a lot of stress. I think that there was like, to your point, like Mm -hmm. having raising kids and having a big career and then quite a stressful career Mm-hmm. Um, I did suffer from migraines and, mm-hmm. um, I, I did start to practice yoga actually in, in probably around 2007, 2008 to kind of really mm-hmm. help my wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, but continued, you know, with my career. And then in around 2016, the, there were a lot of changes have started to happen. Changes had happened at different times throughout my career, but some bigger changes happened at Victoria's Secret. Mm. What sort of changes? They, well, they had some big changes in leadership um, and mm-hmm. really a whole reorganization and um, 
they really cut a lot of the area, the categories. So swim, for example, was taken away. The catalogs were eliminated. Um, the clothing category was eliminated. So a lot of areas were eliminated. It got much smaller. So I think they wanted mm. to focus back on the core. Yeah. I it's, think a lot of print went. It's yeah, kind it's of, interesting. Yeah. Like that evolution, you saw the mm-hmm. whole thing from like pre-digital <laughs> yeah. to like an incredibly robust internet, digital photography, digital everything. Mm-hmm. And like then everything that had must to have be. been a huge shift and change. It was massive. It was absolutely massive. So you're right. I did. I watched that happen and like print really kind of dissolved and disappeared now it's making a little bit of a comeback but um you know online is really it really took over and Mm -hmm. even the stores were struggling you know a lot of stores were struggling and so they really minimized and I um at that time I was really feeling like a shift to myself like something Mm -hmm. different you know I wasn't as aligned and as passionate about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, I, I started um, working with a coach um, yeah. and that really helped me begin to kind of tap into myself a little bit more. And what do mm-hmm. I really want at this point in life? And so in 2019, more changes happened. And yeah. at that point I was a VP of photography. So I had been really um, wow. a big um, part of the creation of the brand look and feel over mm-hmm. many, many years. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Which was like super great, like working, you know, I was there at the first fashion show. I was there when we created the angels and I was Amazing. there through so many different eras of angels. Yeah. And <laughs> so I'd been doing that for so long and it was really time. So my position, mm-hmm. like you said, like photography was, was not such the hero anymore, really, mm-hmm. you know, and social media was taking over. So these really yeah. high end, beautiful images that we'd been creating were, it was, it was shifting. And mm-hmm. so the, my position um, was eliminated and that kind of gave me a chance to take a pause. Yeah. Which was really you needed. It, you <laughs> called it a Nikki pause. <laughs> <laughs> a me pause. <laughs> I think it was oh, needed. You, yeah. It, you had been there 30 years? Yeah, over 30 years. Wow. God. Wow. And for the last, since well, I think you mentioned 2008, you started doing yoga. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that? What kind of yoga you were attracted to, what you're being introduced to, what, what you said, what you decided that you really were passionate about? Um, well, it was really my, a friend of mine just said, Nikki, do you want to come to yoga? And I hadn't, I think I'd done yoga when I was younger, but not really. Yeah, didn't really know too much. It about wasn't it. so popular in like the nineties, <laughs> no, or even the eighties. Just a couple of us doing it. <laughs> yeah, though. just That's, you two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there was a handful. Maybe a couple of Indian guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So she took me to um the yoga mechanics in a yoga Montclair, and mm-hmm. it's really a hatha based yoga, and um it was really just a wonderful experience because I think at that point I was really 
really stressed. Like I was really on full, fully working, fully raising children, commuting. It was a lot. And I think mm. I just experienced this peaceful time to myself for this hour mm. and a half. And I hadn't really had that before. So it really was, it was really um, quite a profound, profound moment for me at that time. And right. I really just was like, oh, I think I, I think I want to do more of this. I'd like to do mm-hmm. this more mm-hmm. regularly. So that's where I just, I began taking those classes like once or twice a week and just finding mm-hmm. some, some me time, Nikki time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and you were a single mom as well at this time. Is that right? It was a single mom. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and kind of, kind of, you know, but you'd seen it done. You'd seen your mom do it, and you, yeah. you were now doing it exactly. Yeah, and then my kids were getting a bit older, so they were more self sufficient. Yeah. Okay. So it felt like, oh, I can on a Sunday afternoon, I can go and take an hour and a half, or on yeah. a Wednesday evening, I could come home get dinner, then go and do the yoga. So Mm -hmm. I was able to start to kind of integrate that into my life. Mm -hmm. And it really, it helped so much. It was just, I think, I think it was, um, I don't think I would have been able to sustain all of the, the doing and going if I hadn't (laughs) had this moment of really connecting to myself and finding some inner peace Mm-hmm. And learning about breathing and slowing down. So that was, yeah. that was my, the beginning. And I really, I, I, I continued that for many years. I think that really helped mm-hmm. me in all of those, like, like the later years of my career. Yeah. You when were doing a, shifting. you were doing a, the Kundalini yoga at a certain point. Is that? That is true. So when I, when I left, <laughs> BS, um, that was the pause. And I just, I, I just, I felt like, oh, this is time to just sit with myself and really mm-hmm. explore. I have, you know, thankfully I had saved some money. So I didn't feel, oh, you got to go back out and get a job right now. I didn't, mm-hmm. I felt like, okay, I've done a lot of that. Maybe now this is time to really take a breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had, um, I had a credit to a retreat center and the weekend that I could go, I was kept going in and kept going in. And then this thing, Kundalini yoga kept coming up and there were were other workshops, but I just felt like, Oh, yoga, maybe I should just do something on with yoga because yoga has been really good for me. Mm -hmm. So I just said, let me just sign up and to go do this Kundalini yoga thing. So I went to a three or I think it was a four day retreat with um, Guru Singh at Kropalu, and it was kind of life-changing, really, for me because mm. I it, it was quite an intense experience. I can imagine. Getting up at 5 <laughs> in the morning and doing those, like, really early morning sadhanas and then all the way really, through lectures and Kundalini yoga classes. and You really have to hold your arms up for a long time, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. It is an interesting experience. Yeah. True. It is true. Mm. Wow. But for me, I think it was, um, it helped me to shift quickly, mm. you know, to, because I had been doing this Hatha yoga for, with my, with my job and, mm-hmm. 
but as you know, until you can really, um, really practice yoga more regularly, I think that for me now that now that I do do that, I, it was more about like, that was sustaining me in my, so that I could keep going, but it really Mm -hmm. wasn't, I really wasn't tapping into myself fully. Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. feel that the Kundalini yoga gave me that, um, more of an intense experience. Yeah. And then, yeah. Like a reset that you could then kind of like rebuild from. That's a good, yeah. yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And also when I came back from that, um, trip, I found in Montclair that there's a, a Kundalini yoga community. Ah. And mm. so I, I went to the, some of the classes there and I found that community to be very warm and welcoming. Mm. And I mm. think having just left this long time at one place, which was very much for me, a family, I'd been yeah. at Victoria's Secret for so long yeah. that the the Kundalini community kind of embraced me. So it felt like um, a welcoming place for me to kind of be safe mm-hmm. and to just kind of be, it was very warm and open and um, mm. very kind and compassionate and nurturing. And it mm-hmm. really felt good to be there. Mm. To, to be in another family environment. Yeah. Or, or in an environment that felt safe and comfortable um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think more a community for me, it felt like, oh, this is a community that I could spend some time in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I was wanting it, you know, necessarily to be f- family, but definitely like that sense of community that, mm-hmm. that um, because I, I think I just needed some of that around me, a little bit of like mm-hmm. holding space. Did you do a teacher training in Kundalini? I did. (laughs) So then I went full into the teacher training. um, And that started, I think, was that in 2019 and went into 2020. So that was that experience was interesting because we started in person. And then Mm -hmm. with COVID, it ended online. That whole thing happened in the middle of of the training. So we were one of the first, I think, yoga trainings that had to kind of transfer Shift. over mm-hmm. midst midway through wow. the training Midstream. which was kind yeah, of good I, I like yeah it. i liked it actually the half and half <laughs> have a nap yeah <laughs> now uh, i will be alone <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure if you want to talk about this but if i'm if i'm being my true authentic self i really am a gossip and I, okay. and I just, if I'm just being true to myself, I really, you mentioned the Premka thing, some kind mm. of a scandal. And I thought, oh, that, that'd be delicious oh. if you could tell us a bit about <laughs> You're that. such a gossip. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened, oh, I'm trying to think, I think that was early 2020, her book came yeah. out. So Pamela Dyson, she wrote a book, um, she was... Yogi Bhajan, who brought the Kundalini Yoga to the U.S., she, right. she was his, um, what do you call it? Uh, like her, she was his sponsor, general, like um, general secretary manager? general. Secretary, okay. So oh he had lots of secretaries, God. but she was secretary the main general. secretary the general. The main one. That's, and yeah. his personal assistant or attendant, yeah. I would say that's how she was described. Yeah. 
Um, and her story was, she wrote her story and her story revealed um, decades of sexual abuse and manipulation and some really, some really difficult things that happened to her. And after that book, other women started to come forward right. um, and tell their story. Mm-hmm. Similar Gosh, stories. Is it every yoga community does this? Yes. Oh. I think so. Mm. I, think, I think so. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yes. Every spiritual community? Is it, that, is it, is it only spiritual communities? <laughs> like Christians too? I think, it, I think it happens in other mm. types of communities as well, but I think it's particularly... Uh, is it any place where men are spiritual guides? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> is that is that the, the there ba- are some women as that in their communities these things happen as well. We so. were talking about that yesterday. Whether you know how many spiritual female leaders have have slept with their their students, and and you thought maybe it was a hundred percent. I was more like around forty <laughs> percent, but like a hundred percent of the men. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah i don't know but yeah it's it yeah. is interesting it's a it's a sad phenomenon but it seems to happen pretty frequently well it's just that those the those young students are such eager beavers and <laughs> wait I'm, mm. never mind we can yeah. we can cut that out yeah yeah i mean there's an element to this of um generation i think too that when when these gurus i guess were coming to the mm-hmm. u.s it was a particular time here mm-hmm. of, it's a sexy of, time in the 70s well also there's a lot of people really seeking right seeking mm-hmm. and looking uh, and so that's a bad combination well yeah so <laughs> i think that that's a kind of from what I've looked at and seen it's a, that's, that's a continual story of mm-hmm. these gurus coming with these um, practices and then young seekers seeking um, that kind of coming together. Yeah. And I, I'm hopeful that that was a time and place yeah. and that we've moved past that and that this, time right now where women are actually coming forward and speaking mm-hmm. the truth and mm-hmm. sharing it and not being afraid to come come out and say this happened mm-hmm. to me so the me too movement has really had a big impact and it isn't mm-hmm. in my mind just in spiritual the spiritual world yeah no because it's happening across all types of organizations and so it must happen in the fashion world a lot too. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it happened in the dance world a lot. Yeah. I know. So. Exactly. I was, I was telling Harmony this um, yesterday as well. Um, I was teaching at a Kundalini center in Austin oh. called Yoga Yoga. Kundalini. And, uh, I wasn't teaching Kundalini. I was teaching an Ashtanga class at a Kundalini center run oh. by. Um, uh, Yogi Bhajan, no, wait, no, Matab and Guru Karam, forgive me. And, um, but they were his, you know, students. And um, my teacher was a Kundalini, also a student, Sharon Moon. And she, she, she gave me this advice on the first day 
that I started working with her said, this is my first lesson to you. One of the students in the class, probably, probably female, is going to glow and shine. And for every, new, every teacher, there's a student in the room that's going to glow or shine. Don't touch them. And at the end of the class, you only have touched them as much as everyone else. And it was, and it was just sort of interesting. It's like, it's for her, it was just, it's phenomenological. It's like, this is every person's experience when they go into um, an environment where, you know, there's, um, it's uh, multi-gendered and uh, there's a power dynamic and there's teaching being done or there's, you know, there's, um, there's a project, you know, whether you might be an art director on set, someone's going to glow don't talk to them and you'll only have talked to them as much as everyone else. You know, it's every situation where, where, um, people are, people are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep away from the one that glows Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, in a professional capacity, in a professional capacity. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Keep away from the one that glows. Yeah. It's the hashtag yeah. of the day. Yeah. <laughs> That's the hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it really seems like at this point in your life, something else kind of really started to, to germinate and grow. Like you had a mm-hmm. little bit of extra juice there. And then you, you started working with, with jewelry. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could tell us about that, that new, that passion or that, yeah. that development. So, um, yeah. So towards the end of VS, like I told you, I was working with a coach and, you know, taking some time to really tap into myself. And from that work, I discovered that I really loved um, crystals and the healing energy of crystals. So something mm-hmm. that was resonating for me around the healing energy of crystals. And um, I just had this idea of, wow, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be beautiful to create um uh, like a really like a high end like my aesthetic of jewelry that had crystals mm-hmm. that I could then offer out to women who are kind of interested in beginning to think about healing that mm-hmm. might not be you know really down that path yet very far but they might be starting to think about energy and healing and themselves and self-care and so that was really where it happened for me. It was really a kind of from my own um, you know, path of learning about myself. How could I start to bring that to others? And I also at the same time, I just I feel like I wanted to create something myself and build mm-hmm. the creative branding around that myself because I've been so embedded in someone else's brand for so long right. that mm-hmm. for me it felt like, I kind of needed to do that or something. I just needed to like break away from that, do something that felt really me. And what is that? I don't know what that really is. So that really, mm-hmm. that was really kind of um, the, the, the kind of um, the path into that. It was discovering that could I make really beautiful jewelry and, and then brand it and sell it. And I did it. So it was really, I think it was just like this goal that I just created for myself. And it was um, really a f- great experience. Mm. 
can you tell me about an experience where maybe one of your first experiences where you, you were with um, a crystal where you felt something happen, where you felt it, it was healing. Can you, can you describe that? So, well, for me, um, the emerald is, is very healing for me. Um, Mm. and it was, it was really doing some of the work with my coach. Um, when I, when I tapped into, um, like some fear within me, there was around some triggering, um, situations and, Whenever I um, connected to the color green and the mm-hmm. healing of the emerald, it mm-hmm. was incredibly soothing for me. It kind of calmed me down or like downregulated my nervous system or helped me mm-hmm. really um, just kind of be soothed, I think. Mm-hmm. And, Interesting. And I know when you're with the color. The color green, if I visualize the green, the green color. And that yeah. happened for you. Um, and it's very much a heart, you know, it's the heart chakra. Mm, So it really helped to, for me to start to connect to my heart, which I had never done before. I had never really thought about what is the heart connection? You know, what is it when you connect to your heart? Mm. So that really helped me begin to understand the healing qualities that Mm -hmm. crystals have. Well, that makes a lot more sense to me. And forgive me if I if I sound at all like a cynic, but I I, I was sort of <laughs> little. I'm just like, how do his crystals heal? But thinking about it in terms of colors is easier for me as a painter to mm. understand the physiological impact that color has on a on a person. Mm. And I can see like how being you know being drawn to say the color orange or or deep reds is is stimulating for me, and it helps me you know get up for the world. And I'm like, oh yeah, that that's suddenly I can I can really profoundly relate to what that sounds like. And so yeah, I wear a ruby because um, I was told it would be good for me. But <laughs> actually, understanding that it's yeah that it's the color, it makes sense. Wow. Yeah, and then also the colors really connect into the chakra system. Mm-hmm. So you can really you know if if you do feel that. Uh, you want to connect to your heart or you want to be more grounded or you want to like connect to your fire energy. You know, there is, um, I believe like that, just the mindset of, of feeling the crystal or holding the crystal and connecting to that energy can be stimulating to, to like moving yourself forward in that direction. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because even in India, you know, there's, I always joke that the uh, Jyotish or the Vedic astrologers are in, in bed with the gem sellers <laughs> because, <laughs> because yeah. they, they're you pushing know, it. They're pushing the gems. Yeah. Yeah. There's always like, um, you know, all the gemstones, the, the precious gems and the semi-precious gems are connected with certain planets and energy. Yeah. And so, of course, that's why it's recommended, say, you wear the ruby for the sun to channel the sun energy. It's Um, also really grounding, the ruby. Yeah. It's really Mm. grounding. It's like the root chakra. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's where I like to be, yeah. (laughs) In the ground. Mm. In the root chakra. (laughs) Yeah. That's where I 
try and keep my consciousness most of the time. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's actually true, probably. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, I, yeah, I just, it's interesting. Like the whole, I mean, there's a whole science behind it. Yeah. 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 And I think that it wasn't so much the science, but when you've actually had that feeling and you've actually gone mm. through that and that was my way in. So I just felt, okay, maybe this is a way I can help others tap into yeah, it. I love that. And I had some amazing uh, events. And even last night I went to a Super Bowl party. And, nice. As you do. And there were like three of the women there, they were all wearing their jewelry that they bought from me, like oh, in wow. 2020 or 2019, whenever I had those events. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. all, you know, they really love that. They really touch yeah. it and connect to it. And I think that um, it was it was kind of that was really what I wanted to offer at that time. It felt mm. right. Are you still making the jewelry? I still have the jewelry, um, mm-hmm. but with the with everything with COVID, it took a little bit of a break, and mm-hmm. that's when yeah. I followed. Um, I I did the co- I did actually coaching training mm-hmm. at that yeah. time. So, yeah. I I just want to say that your website is immaculate. Well, it's thank you. Such a, I mean, I, I was just so stunned and envious, like, wow, that's a really good looking website as they go. <laughs> and I, I'm, I, I, well, I want to put it in the show notes, direct people to it. Cause it really is fantastic. Thank you. Uh, you, I, and I, but I didn't want to interrupt where you were going with, with what you're saying. Your career is, is incredible. I wonder if you could tell us more about that the creative leadership coaching, what that is and mm-hmm. what do you get into with that? Yeah. So um, in 2020, when the, when the lockdown began, um, mm-hmm. I was, I was having a coaching call with my coach um, and she mentioned to me that she decided to offer her type of coaching as a training program. Mm-hmm. And would I be interested? So I'd been coaching for her for a couple of years at this point. And I just felt like, oh, that seems seems great. We're all going into lockdown. Um, the jewelry's <laughs> not really going to be going anywhere because there's no supply. And no one's leaving their home. No one's leaving their home. And this Nikki pause is still on. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I said hundred percent. And I had been working with her for a couple of years. So I already knew her, the mm-hmm. type of coaching. So she's a hella work, um, body worker, which is based in the rolfing method. Um, so <laughs> oh, yeah. she's, she's really, um, that's, that's where her, um, her practice is based in. Mm-hmm. And then she took in, she moved into coaching. So she's a body worker, hella worker and a coach. Mm-hmm. And, I would say that the creative leadership coaching is based on um, really personal responsibility first. So it's, it's, it's in the body. It's a body, mind, spirit approach. And the premise of it is around um, personal responsibility and creating boundaries and coming from a heart of compassion, um, really learning to be non-judgmental. And, mm-hmm. and, and really healing yourself from the inside out so mm-hmm. that you can then be, um, 
be a coach for others to help and guide them, to hold space for them, a safe space, to mm-hmm. help them to kind of really de-layer and um, like understand about these identities that we create in the world, which mm-hmm. I know that that's something that I did. Um, I had this big job and this persona <laughs> and this kind of, you know, VP of photography, and I really wasn't living in my truth. Mm-hmm. So this coaching really and this training pro- program allowed me to understand what some of those behaviors I was um, doing that were based on mm-hmm. an identity, not on really the real me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, at least, they were a lot of those identities were around competition and competing with other women to get to mm-hmm. the better job and to live in this world of competition and mm-hmm. and drive at all, you know, at the sake of all else. And I found I'm finding that that isn't really who I am. That isn't really what I, what I, what drives me, that my, mm. my essence, that I, um, I'm here to really support women and, and hold them up. And so we hold each other up. And so mm. the creative leadership coaching is really about that. It's like a philosophy of possibility and how do we all kind of live our best lives, um, and help each other with, with, with tools, daily tools mm-hmm. and self-care rituals that help us to balance our lives more holistically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, I love it. Sounds like the, the kind of coaching I do too. Yeah. <laughs> But I, That's I love why that you, you and I connected. I feel like I think it just so. felt yeah. like yeah, we really some kind like... of connection here. <laughs> yeah, we aligned immediately. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I love that it's about trying to identify like how we're lying to ourselves about and what we what we've constructed about ourselves so that we can hide ourselves from the world. And you know, we're yes. you know, and then we become we get in our own way. You know, like I keep thinking about like my my total failure of a career, and and it's because it's my <laughs> I'm the one in the way. Yeah, Are you a I keep getting in my own way. Oh, it's a total failure. Is yeah, it? and it's um, all your paintings could, behind you. And, yeah, yeah, it could still take off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a total failure. It's any day, any day now. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's true. That's my that's that's what I learned that's, from my my ex wife is that Essex accent. I think so, you should join B school. Me, oh yeah. Gosh. I think Definitely. it would help you realign, right? re-identify. It's all for yeah. you. Find, find my true authentic self. Yeah, I'd yeah. just be talking shit about the other people in class. No, did you hear what she did? Can you believe it? Well, you have to. Uh, you just do it on your own. You wouldn't put you in a group with anyone. Yeah, right. No, no, no one would put me in a group with anyone else. It's true. It really is. There's a really an opportunity to see that and see, see all of these, you know, I mean, we do it to protect ourselves. Obviously it's mm-hmm. really, you know, yeah. the, we build all these layers on us to protect ourselves. And so now it's a time to kind of de-layer, take them away and mm-hmm. really like see what's at the truth and what's at the heart. And mm-hmm. if we can all be a little bit more connected that way, I yeah. think that we'll just be in a, in a better place. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is, is that what this is? The creative leadership coaching is the B school. Is that no. are those two no, separate no, things? Are those the same thing? Things. Yeah, I don't. So, mm. so I mean, Nikki was in my B school mastermind last year, or yeah, last year. Yeah. And I was just, you know, I'd love for you to tell us like what inspired you because it was interesting. We met through a mutual friend. Yes, exactly. Um, and we didn't know each other at all, but you were interested in in developing your coaching, I think your coaching offerings mm-hmm. and how best to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So w- as I was getting towards the end of the coaching training, I realized mm-hmm. I actually want to follow this path. This is really feels good for me. Yes, the jewelry has been great. And I think I have something to offer because I was doing practice. I was working with practice clients and they would keep coming mm-hmm. back. They would want to sign Amazing. back up. So, yeah. And I really was, I was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And I, um, so I felt as I was coming towards the end, I, if I, if I want to launch my a coaching practice, I'd like mm-hmm. to actually learn more about how to, how to set up a business properly because with the jewelry, I think I just kind of went into it without really knowing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so this time I felt I needed that behind me. And it's different too, when you're selling a, like a tangible product and then you're able to kind of like, you know, make it all about the product. But when you're doing something like coaching or teaching yoga you know, or selling art. I mean, art's a little bit more of a product, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because you kind of like you're selling a service, which is quite different um, than like an actual physical yeah, object. True. Yeah. And so I, a couple of people have mentioned B-School to me and I didn't really know what it was. And then my friend who, very close friend, who mm-hmm. is an Ashtanga yogi, yeah. She was receiving your emails and she yeah. sent it to me. And she, that was the final one. Once she sent it to me, I really trust this woman. And I just thought, you know, if this harmony is a yoga teacher and I'm really all about yoga as the foundation to my coaching, mm-hmm. then this might be the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. And I also really, I really loved that what you were offering, like all the additional, like being part of a mastermind, because I like the idea of being in a community to go through it together, you know, different than Russell. Like, I think, you know, much I'm going to provide. (laughs) (laughs) He's solopreneur. (laughs) (laughs) So that really appealed to me. And I really Mm -hmm. liked, um, I just, I, then I looked into Marie and I really liked yeah. her approach. It just felt yeah. like she's really lively and fun and she's successful and she's, she went out on her own and she created this and it was inspiring to me. So I yeah. just felt like I needed that. I need the, the foundation, like a business foundation to, yeah. to do this. And it's so nice. Like, I love like the heart centered approach mm-hmm. of building a business. And I think sometimes like, especially um, when you're, you know, in the field of yoga or energy work <laughs> or coaching, you know, like you have all of that empathy and compassion and, and um, you know, touchy feely skills to like really be with people and to cr- hold like a container for transformation and conversation and all of that. But when it comes to like the business side of things, it feels a bit like icky or a bit like nasty, you know, and so... 
for me, that was like one of the things that I really love about Marie and her program is that it's so centered on like, um, what you can give, what your, you know, your service or your product or how it's going to make the world better, how Mm -hmm. you're working in, in a situation or with people to, you know, create, um, you know, more beauty or to enhance lives to like, it's just so nice because you realize that like, actually people really need the thing that you're doing. And also there's a way to be in business because we're all in business. If you're offering a service or working for yourself, that doesn't have to feel like not authentic Mm -hmm. to your heart, to like being compassionate, to being empathetic, to not like wanting to be like a, you know, used car salesman or something. (laughs) Yeah. I, I really, one of the parts that really resonated for me was early at the beginning when she talked about, um, having like, what is your why? What is your why for your Mm -hmm. business? And, I think that's how she described it, but just really like diving into like, why are you doing this? And so for me, it's really about um, helping women like really find their voice and express their Mm -hmm. voice and create a life of of balance. Um, So different from where my life was so one dimensional in a sense, like how do I help women, whether they're going through life transition in the later stage in life or they're young women who are building their life, like how do you do that much more in a more harmonious way? Yeah. And, yeah. and so when you have that why, it's not mm-hmm. about, oh, I want to make a million dollars. It's not a money mm-hmm. thing. It's really yeah. about something that's genuine that will be serving others. And, oh, yes, I'm going to make money because that's, I mean, business, but that isn't the, yeah. that isn't the why you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I really love that. And it really, it really helps me all the time to always come back to the why of whatever, you know, even if it's writing an email, like, why am I doing this? I'm doing it for the women because I want, you know, to help them with their voices. And so that Mm -hmm. will always help you write the email. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I, I love that it's it's kind of connected to even your jewelry, like wanting to create healing mm-hmm. and like give people sort of a first step towards healing. And then the coaching I feel is like like that next step, mm-hmm. you know, is like, okay, well, I have this crystal now yeah. to help me heal or open my heart. And now maybe you, you need know. a little guidance. Yeah. Along exactly. the way. Because it's it's not easy this like self study journey and, <laughs> not at all and so I did also do another training of yoga in uh, Kropala which is a hatha based yoga so mm-hmm. I can use that in my coaching yeah. so it's a little bit more accessible um, and yeah so it gives gives me a chance to like help women come in at whatever place they're at where yeah. whether they just want to come to a yoga class or do they want to come to a yoga class and start coaching so right. it's I think it's kind of guidance that I certainly never had that growing up. Right. It was it was yeah. really like you just got to do this on your own and you got to win and get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And claw over every other <laughs> woman to do it. It's yeah. true. Way. Yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really this is like you said. It's like this is a heart centered approach, and mm-hmm. and it makes it so it makes it fulfilling for me. And that feels like I'm really fulfilling more of like my purpose and my real 
reason for being here. Yeah. And I think like also just stepping into that bigger like mindset, that bigger energetic shift that there's enough for everyone and you don't have to Mm -hmm. like, you know, feel any sense of lack or like somebody's taking your thing away from you. (laughs) Right. And that we can all like support each other and hold each other and lift each other up and really like work together in a way that's that is like healing for people and helpful for relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, between even people in a similar field or, you know, in a different field. It's, I I think that that's like a big sort of mental sort of mindset shift that maybe, you know, people that grew up in a time like you and I did, (laughs) you know, it always felt like there wasn't enough to go around. And yeah, You know, there's only one spot for a woman here. So, (laughs) you know, and there's 50 women who are applying for the job or whatever, right? Like, I think we, as women, Mm. typically feel very competitive with each other. And it's it's, it's so Mm -hmm. nice to be able to kind of like drop that and leave that behind. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. I really love that. And it's also like a noticing of that energy. So Mm -hmm. even if you're around women and oh, this other woman's a coach and this one's a coach. But Well, that's great because mm. we're all different kinds of coaches. We're all going to bring totally. something different instead of that feeling, like you said, of lag, of like, oh, my gosh, then I have to really be better. i got to really yeah. show myself now. It's yeah. more about I really support you and let's really – and the other thing about B-School, which I thought was like really cool, is how she really hones in on the customer and Mm -hmm. finding your customer, finding your niche. And that was super helpful for me because I keep coming back to what is that? And I found through doing that and interviewing many women that my customer is a creative woman, a woman who's in the creative field because it really, it, it's, it really resonates for me. And so those two things combined, the why and the customer really even if I just took those two things away from B-School, it was amazing because it's yeah. helped me really create the foundation, the website, and what I'm really doing, what I'm mm-hmm. offering. And there mm-hmm. were many more things that I learned, but those two things really stood out. Yeah, amazing. And now you have a whole new career that you're stepping into, which is I know. awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, we're going to have your website in the show notes, but do you want to tell us what it is? It's brand new and I'm so excited to share it with everyone. So, yeah, so I'm going to be launching myself in a few weeks as Mm -hmm. a life transition coach and yoga teacher Mm -hmm. um, for creative women. And my approach is really, um, it's a whole life approach to coaching. So, Uh, Like I said, I offer the yoga classes and the one-on-one coaching. Mm -hmm. And I really meet um, the woman wherever she is in life, you know, whether it's a younger woman or an older woman going through a life transition, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. And I really focus on um, kind of healing from the inside out first. So like really doing that like inner healing work, taking some time to focus on yourself self-healing, self-growth, self-love, and really helping with tools that can, can really benefit that process. Mm-hmm. So whether it's mm-hmm. meditation or journaling or getting out in nature, you know, this is reading or um, different kinds of exercises or breathing exercises. So mm-hmm. really helping 
to refine daily practices that can, you know, it's not a one size fits all. It depends on who you are. Some things resonate, yeah. some things don't. So, yeah, so I'm launching that in a few weeks and I'm really excited. So it's going to be a new website and <laughs> super fun. Wonderful. Well, people will be able to find you then. <laughs> All of the creative people listening. I, I want to say the, the jewelry website. What's your jewelry website again? My jewelry Nikki website is Nikki B Jewelry. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's worth a look. It was really, it was just like achingly <laughs> Beautiful. tasteful. Yeah. Like, Aww, that's so yeah, kind. you have such a good, good eye. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me. This was really fun. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Thank you so much for coming on. It was so great to connect with you and hear more about your experiences and your story and how your growth and evolution. Yeah. It's really, yeah. It's, an, it's, it's been so a journey. Yeah. Super, it's super yeah. intriguing yeah. and really an incredible career that you're, you're making. Thank, Thank you. you. A quick reminder that B-School closes this Thursday, March 3rd. And I hope that you will join if you have even the slightest tug on your heart. Um, you know, I cannot say enough how important it is to get guidance and to join a community and to, you know, get that support from others and uh, to be able to help support others and to have the conversations around business, have you know, critical eyes looking at your website and giving you feedback on how to make it better. It's so important if you're building an online business, especially as a wellness uh, entrepreneur, someone working in the yoga or the coaching or the wellness field, we often um, don't have a strong business eye as our strength. And so it's really, really helpful to um, get the feedback, to learn, to dive into B-School, into Marie Forleo's business school program, to help um, you understand what you're trying to do as somebody running your own business. And unfortunately, we sometimes don't like to think of yoga as a business, but you really need to understand who you're serving and what you're offering to them uh, so that you can do all of the wonderful work that you're here on the planet to do. So I just want to remind you that B-School closes soon this week, March 3rd, and I hope that you'll join me inside. You can find all of my amazing bonuses at harmonyslater.com, and I look forward to seeing you inside the B-School program. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow, watching the breaking waves, there's a hard wind and the soil.